Welcome to Social Media Blues, a podcast for those who struggle with social media but can't afford to get out of it. I am your hostess, Elsa Figueroa, and this is today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Social Media Blues. Today is Thursday, September 26th, the last Thursday in September. <laughs> wow. Okay, so um, so before I launch into today's topic, I just want to quick um, check in about, you know, what's been bugging me, what's been exciting this week. So bugging me, I am having kind of a difficult, weird time with uh, social media in general, lots of resistance. Um, you know, I naturally prefer in-person interactions, and I feel interactions on social media are one-sided and very limited, and just becoming really aware of how that is affecting me on a daily basis now that I'm posting regularly. And part of it is I have to make sure to get plenty of meaningful in-person interactions with my partner, my friends, my students, other people, things that are not screen-mediated having lengthy conversations about specific topics, discussing my struggles with friends and peers, getting a coffee or drink with a flesh and bone human being. These are extremely necessary now to me that I'm devoting so much time to social media. I, I realize how just the difference between interacting on social media and in, so to speak, real life or the material world because it can get so I can start feeling isolated and weird and disconnected from who I am deep inside. And I have to do this constant work of reconnecting with myself now on a daily basis. Um, so what's exciting though? Well, I'm reading this book, Flow, which was published many years ago. I think it was in the 90s. And flow is defined as a state of optimal experience, and it's really helping me get a deeper understanding of how to enjoy each day more fully. I guess it's a form of mindfulness, but it's like more in a practical way, not like separated from everyday tasks, not that mindfulness has to be, but it's just more practical, I guess. The last couple of weeks have gotten a great handle on my anxiety, which I'm very happy for. And part of that has been related to staying fully in the present because part of anxiety is worrying about what's going to happen next. Um, and this, you know, this can be caused by many factors, but usually when I get anxiety is because I am worried about what's going to happen next and sometimes like nothing's going on but I'm just waiting for like the tiger to jump out of the bushes or that weird email from a client or something like that and you know I have those thoughts now where I'm imagining something really bad happening but I'm not letting it dictate how I feel in the moment which is really great and when something does happen You know, I really try to reconnect with my physical safety first. Like, am I physically in danger? No. So signaling to my body that I'm not physically in danger and nothing's bad is happening so physically, so I'm okay. Um, so, yes, that's been, been really great. So 
I am also not letting my experience of the present be marred by some worry about a future event or waiting for a future event to help me feel better. Um, I can look forward to something, but not waiting for that to like, okay, I'm going to wait until I'm there to stop feeling shitty because yeah, that's not a great way to live. So choosing my experience of the present on purpose, which is kind of what flow, flow is, right? So, okay, let's move on to today's topic. There's nothing quite like being in a room full of people like this, where all of you are giving your attention to me. It's, uh, it's a powerful feeling to get attention. I'm an actor, so uh, I'm a bit of an expert on, uh, well, nothing, really. Uh, but I do know what it feels like to get attention. I've been lucky in my life to get a lot more than my fair share of attention. And uh, I'm grateful for that because, like I said, it's a, it's a powerful feeling. <clears throat> but there's another powerful feeling that I've also been lucky to experience a lot as an actor. And it's funny, it's sort of the opposite feeling because it doesn't come from getting attention. It comes from paying attention. Mm. When I'm acting, I get so focused that I'm only paying attention to one thing. Like when I'm on set and... We're about to shoot, and the first AD calls out rolling. And then I hear speed, marker, set, and then the director calls action. I've heard that sequence so many times, like it's become this Pavlovian magic spell for me. Rolling, speed, marker, set, and action. Something happens to me, I can't even help it. My attention narrows, and everything else in the world, anything else that might be bothering me or might grab my attention it all goes away and and i just there um, this clip is from hood gordon levitt's stat talk related to attention and he hints at the concept of flow in that TED talk but he doesn't call it that specifically but i know exactly what he's talking about um, i have experienced it myself in my performances as a simultaneous interpreter and in my performances in dance. This is a process whereby your consciousness of yourself almost kind of disappears. And it's like you stop existing, yet you are present with every last molecule of your being. It is not the self-effacing experience of being swallowed in by an addictive endeavor, like, you know, Candy Crush or Facebook scrolling. It is rather a state of complete and utter attention to the activity being performed at that precise moment. While we can experience it randomly at different moments in our lives, flow is not something that just simply happens. It must be practiced, cultivated. My dance teacher, Mira Betts, includes flow building exercises in many of her workshops and intensives. These exercises are acts of listening to oneself and to others, using all of our sensory apparatus to sense minute changes in tempo and quality of movement. Attention is the ability to notice or take special care of something or someone. This is important because there are many things we don't pay attention to on a daily basis, even if we literally see them with our eyes or hear it with our ears. Um, this happened to me a while ago while I was walking by a sidewalk that I always walk by, like had been, I don't know, it had been part of my routine for months, and yet had never noticed this statue there. Um, 
A corner shop that has been there for ages might not be something you repair on until one afternoon you find yourself looking for a place to buy coffee because your favorite place is closed. And how many people we interact with on a daily basis whose hair or eye color we, could not, we couldn't recall if we were pressed to state what they are while not in the presence of the person. Thus, there are things we choose to pay attention to and store in our memory and others we choose to ignore. I say choose, but in reality, many things pass unnoticed by us, not by choice, but for many other factors. One of those is that in our urban world, um, we are usually surrounded by all sorts of things and These are spaces cluttered with information, colors, words, signs, warnings, traffic signals, shouts, and random conversations. And so it is all we can do to stay focused on the things we need so we don't get run over or mocked or forget our wallet at the pastry shop. We carry so much around externally, keys, money, devices, and these are objects that are external to our body and that without which our lives would be severely hampered if we were to forget our keys, for example, somewhere, or, or lose our wallet full of money, or lose our phone, this would seriously uh, put a huge damper on our day. So keeping track of all of this is a job unto itself because it's not in your body, right? So nowadays, many of us must also manage our digital lives, our virtual social capital, work, emails flying back and forth, Facebook events, direct messages on Instagram, schedules and comments. Our lives are increasingly more complicated and we have to manage so much more. So I just want to acknowledge that, that we, um, we have a finite resource, which is attention, and we have to devote more of it to many more things that are separate. So This is a challenge for the modern person. His most recent book, The Attention Merchants, unpacks the way our attention is being constantly sought after and commoditized. He's here to discuss whether we should be worried about this. Tim, we're now absolutely flooded with choice for where to direct our attention. Is this diluting advertisers' ability or fortifying it? Kind of both at the same time. It's kind of a, a bad situation for everyone <laughs> because on, on the one hand, we are being constantly deluged with efforts to get our attention to resell to advertisers. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, there, there's a screen somewhere or, or something at you trying to get your attention. On the other hand, advertisers feel increasingly desperate to try to reach people. You know, there's so much stock out there. And, and so we're in this weird race where, in fact, they're both desperate trying as hard as ever to get to us. Our time is all used up. And, and frankly, in some ways, nobody's winning. It almost would be better if we agreed to watch ads for, for 20 minutes at the beginning of the day and then had the rest of the day to ourselves or something. Uh, obviously, people try to avoid ads all the time. And so the advertisers get more desperate. So we're kind of locked in this, this terrible situation, which the result is, I think, just a lot of draining of mental resources. And not even for that much money. You know, this is you know, part of the economy, but it's not a huge part of the economy. But it, I think, has had a huge drain on, on frankly, our human resource, us. So my personal concern with attention began more in my search, not for increased productivity, but for ways in which I might develop a more ethical approach to content production. I see myself as a content creator, like I've mentioned before, someone who 
is regularly developing visuals, photos, captions, copy, uh, videos in an effort to promote my creative projects and put them out there. As a content consumer, I follow the people I follow for different reasons. Because they are a peer or friend, for networking reasons, or because they are a creator whose work I enjoy and want to support. I follow people who I find inspiring, people whom I think have interesting things to share, whose work I think can benefit me in my process. And yet, I see many other things in social media that I have issues with. Of course, I would not have created social media blues otherwise. So in part, I also wanted to understand why certain things bothered me. In this process of introspection, I arrived at a question that I find can be a good starting place for the question of responsible content creation. Sure, I am trying to attract attention, right, in order to promote my business, but what is that attention for exactly? Like, what am I actually offering? And then there are the methods by which you monetize that personal brand. And here's, here's the thing to know, too. What a personal brand is not. A personal brand does not mean you have to be an author. It does not mean you have to launch a video course. It does not mean you have to have a mastermind or an event or you have to become a speaker. Those are things that can happen. But one of the, the things I think a lot of people miss is they equate personal branding with like a small business influencer who's interested in vanity and they they completely miss the fact that it's like no you can use the the personal brand to just drive awareness for the thing you already do every day social media is a space for communication but as i am the one posting curating my feed us as individuals right we're the ones posting and curating our feeds it is also a space where vanity and narcissism can easily flourish. A beautiful girl posts pictures of herself, you know, you know, well made up and wearing a cute outfit in beautiful locations. Her feed is carefully calibrated and curated to produce a specific effect. People compliment her, comment on her posts, say how beautiful she is. There is nothing wrong with posing for a beautiful picture, of course I do it, um, but the individual must be careful to ensure that social media does not become a form of self-validation. This can be achieved by asking, how do I feel right now? Am I feeling rejected, dejected, underappreciated? Am I then posting this picture to feel better about myself? So I must admit I have a difficult time with this topic. Um, because I don't want to criticize, I don't want to come off as, I'm as, as if I'm criticizing anyone for posting pictures of themselves or whatever. Um, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's just that I have seen the effects it has had on myself and other people when you post a picture that you're really proud of and then nobody comments or likes it. And I don't particularly like that power that social media has on a person's self-esteem and how they feel about themselves. I think it's really dangerous, especially for women and, and young girls. And it's, it's just not helping us become strong, self-confident women. <laughs> Even if you're getting appreciation and positive 
you know, reinforcement because then it's like, okay, so people respond positively when I post these types of pictures and, you know, when I look this way. So I, I, again, it just kind of creates this link between physical appearance and, you know, positive experiences with other people. So that's the kind of power I'm talking about that I really don't think is healthy. But, you know, social media has become a bit of a necessary evil in my life. Um, sometimes the more I post, the more disconnected I feel from others. Um, I try to distance myself from it, reminding myself that I post often in order to promote my business and attract people to it. Getting people to come to events is hard work. I had no idea how much work it is. This is in many ways the skill that I am honing right now. Um, it is one thing to sell your products and services online for people to purchase and utilize online. It is quite another to promote paid dance and yoga classes and manage to convince people to put their lives on pause for an hour or two and drive over to my studio. Um, it is also, my studio is also not located in a very, in a frequently, let's say, visited um, area. Um, so that the geographic location is a challenge. I am working on adding some more colors and more things to the facade because there is a specific time of day in which there's a lot of traffic through that street. So that could be helpful, but I'm, I'm working on getting the funds so that I can redo the whole facade. Um, so that's going to help, right? Um, but for now, I am relying a lot on digital marketing to attract people to my studio. And that is why sometimes it's such a challenge to get people to come over. Um, but I, I must be careful, too, that I don't confuse any engagement or lack thereof with an evaluation of my work and my business. Very careful. This requires a daily act of inner balancing so that I am always in tune with my vision and making sure to post only in the service of that vision. This requires me to constantly recalibrate and tune into how I am feeling without letting any insecurities and doubts I might be experiencing from becoming excuses to procrastinate on my promotional posts. I need to constantly ask myself, what do I want people's attention for? What am I offering? This goes back right to the development of an event. Before I even decide to host one, I must be very sure of what I am offering so that I can really get behind on the promotional aspect of it. So um, one example of this um, is when I recently hosted a dance workshop uh, focused on turning technique. I sought out an instructor I greatly admire the co-owner of another dance school. I had taken a workshop with her last year and became a fan of her thorough and straightforward explanatory style. I had noticed the need for some turn-specific training in some of you know my dance community and thought she'd be perfect for it. I myself have struggled with turning technique for years and I have had to seek out classes in other disciplines and privates with teachers in order to work on this. So um, I spotted this need and I thought this might be something beneficial to uh, the, the dance community. And so um, I want to host this event and I found someone who would be perfect for it. So how much of the work that you're doing is 
is aimed at developing your own vision and goals and how much of that vision and goals is related to feeling better about yourself or, you know, some sort of vanity project, right? So this is very important for me as a creator, business owner in the world. And, um, you know, this workshop is something that I found highly valuable. The attendants expressed this as well. It gave the instructor a chance to promote her work and her school, which is one of my values. I want to promote others uh, to help spread the word about others, other people's work as well. And we'll get a lot of valuable information that we could take back to our practice and our students if we had any. It was also a great way to connect to dancers from other dance forms, which is also another one of my personal goals as a dance studio and performance venue owner. So this event is highly aligned with my goals, vision, and values. I have no problem posting about it and promoting it. But even if you are behind a product that you are offering, it is still possible to post in ways that are not aligned with your values. So what is your messaging like? For example, a fitness instructor who has this idea of promoting health, right? Um, might choose messaging like, get the body you've always wanted or surprise your partner with a new body. And then, you know, they use these images of people who are super ripped. Um, one of the, the, the ones that comes to mind is um, Daily Um. I get their ads on Instagram sometimes and they have these like total goddess transformation, 21 day goddess transformation or whatever. And this woman, like super skinny woman, but muscled. And I'm like, that is not attainable for everybody. One, two, not in 21 days at any rate. So it's just such, for me, it's so unethical to even promote that. But you want people to sign up, right? To pay you. And that's where I feel like it becomes this, of course, that's not attainable in much less in 21 days. Um, so you're just basically trying to get at my money. So I don't know. <sighs> so to me, these, these things are not in alignment because you're furthering the noxious idea also that one's physical appearance is something to fix, especially, which is a problem, especially among women. Women are constantly criticizing their bodies and talking just talking so much, saying so many negative things about their bodies, even if they are, you know, even if they conform to society's beauty standards, I am appalled when I hear someone who conforms to society's beauty standards and just criticizing their body. I'm like, what the hell is this? Um, like society has so completely, you know, programmed them to think that they are, have to constantly struggle in order to achieve some ideal of femaleness or femininity or whatever. It's just so, so <sighs> limiting. Um, this notion leads many women to think of themselves as failed women because they do not have J-Lo's body. Vibrant, smart, strong women who raise children, often alone, work a lot, keep the house afloat, you know, pay the bills, and they feel like complete failures because they do not conform to the standards of beauty. And society already places so much in our plates. And on top of that, we also have to train like athletes and Hollywood stars. 
So how about working out and eating healthy to be functionally stronger, to be able to carry your children or the groceries, to be able to accomplish our goals in life without physical pain or shortness of breath? The emphasis on the crazy no-pay-no-gain workouts leads many to abandon exercise too quickly or to injure themselves in the pursuit of that crazy body because they feel that they have to work through the pain. Exercise has many other benefits that have nothing to do with getting ripped. And I think if you want to get more people to exercise and come to you, then focusing on these other benefits might also be helpful. Um, I'm a huge advocate for exercise, um, even though I am not, you know, I don't have that body at all. Um, I work out regularly. I focus on strengthening areas of weakness that will help me do what I want to be doing in dance. I also exercise because it helps me manage my anxiety. I like going to the gym because a lot of the work I do happens in my home office or alone in my dance studio. So it's a chance to get out and see and talk to people. But if I were focused on getting ripped, my experience of workouts would be vastly different. And it has been in the past. And it was kind of self-destructive and, and unhealthy. So as a dance teacher, fitness instructor, fashion designer, photographer, life coach, whatever, how do you craft your messaging in order to promote the healthy habits that you believe in? And what do you do with the attention once you get it? So this is admittedly difficult because you are marketing and what has worked in marketing in the past has been using you know overly sexualized images or you know um, spreading notions about you know your own body or utilizing your fear and your insecurity to get you to come to me so that is very it is very difficult to walk away from that, um, but I, I would rather not use fear and insecurity as hooks to get people to come to me because then that just kind of, to me, starts the relationship already in a bad place. And I want lifelong customers or people who will stay with me for a long time and who want to be part of my community. So I don't want people who come once and spend a lot of money and then leave. So this is ultimately how I choose to approach the social media conundrum of being aware of the damaging effects of social media algorithms while also promoting my business through digital marketing. So I recognize what are what the challenges of social media are and how you know, for your experience as a human being, for your brain, but also I'm trying to promote myself. So I'm kind of in this in-between space. I find myself in this very uncomfortable space every day. It is a struggle. Some days are downright exhausting. I'm not going to lie, but I believe that I'm doing this because the results are a lot more rewarding. Because ultimately my main goal is also not only to build community, but also to hedge against burnout. I need this to be a meaningful experience for me because I'm putting a lot into this. And so I need to be very careful with my own energy and my own resources. I really believe in these creative projects I am working on, including this podcast, including the studio. And I don't want burnout to be the reason I quit. In our current world, attention is a commodity. 
I want to make sure that when I ask people for it and they choose to give it to me, that they walk away with something valuable. This is, of course, something I can't fully control. You know, I can't control somebody else's experience and I can try as hard as I might to please somebody and then they won't be pleased. So I, it's kind of like a, an exchange, a give and take, right? But as much as I can, I want to ask myself if I am managing their attention responsibly. Because attention is a resource. It is a finite resource. And exhausting that resource can lead to unhealthy consequences. We become numb and disengaged because we have exhausted the decision-making muscle in the brain. And given the fact that our works are often very demanding, um, also of our attention, by the time we leave work, our attention stores have been mostly depleted. So when you ask people for their attention, then you have to be aware of this, what, what you're asking for. And, you know, once we have exhausted that ability to make, make decisions and pay attention to things, we become unable to sit through dinner, for example, with friends without mindlessly scrolling through pictures, or we lose our grip on our external reality and become obsessed with managing our social capital online because that is what makes us feel good about ourselves. So ultimately, yes, what I want to be asking is, what am I using this attention for? I'm asking for people's attention. I'm asking for people to come look at my beautiful pictures, but what are they actually getting? What am I putting out in the world? What am I using this for? Is it just for my own validation, for my own vanity? So thank you very much for listening. And remember to follow me um, on Instagram if you are on Instagram. Um, social media blues over there and I post kind of regularly just little thoughts that I have or quotes that I find and also Tuesdays I release Tuesday blues which is, which is a short IGTV check-in if you feel like you need more or whatever <laughs> I don't know if you do maybe you don't maybe this is enough um, but just in case I'm over there and also, I, um, you can write any, send any comments, questions, requests to socialmediabluespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you very much for listening. Remember to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts um, and leave a review if you will. Thank you so much. I will talk to you next week. Bye.